Welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shir. And this is of all the Chayalei Tzahal. Hashem should give them care, Hashem should protect them. And all those Rechman hostages shall be returned unharmed. We should have ultimately full redemption for the entire Klai Yisrael. We're all captives. Shabbos Pasha Yeshev, Shabbos Chanukah, Shabbos Mevorchim Chedesh Tevis. I think that's about all you can handle. At least not Shabbos Chedesh Chanukah. Not that that would make much of a difference. Hanukkah begins Thursday night. We have Hashem about it on the Teva. First candles are lit Thursday evening, and we'll continue for eight days. We have Hashem about it on the Teva. And I go to the Mazel Kesha, Friday Kesha. And may this be a year that entire Klal Yisrael makes sure that everyone, no Jewish home, is without a Menada. No Jewish home doesn't light the candles so that we can illuminate the entire world and bring this light, this mitzvah, this light to the <coughs> to protect the shield all those that need and that ultimately we'll see the ultimate miracle of Hanukkah one of the miracles that Rabbi Yad Matim Tmeim Yad Tehidim Rishayim Yad Tzadikim The battle that took place of Hanukkah, where the few conquered the many, the pure conquered the impure, and the wicked fell to the hands of the righteous. Amechulam Sadikim, and therefore our soldiers, our children, our boys that are out there. Each and every one of them now are trying. It's, it's a tremendous spurt which infused itself practically. It was, a, it was something that happened spontaneously where all the soldiers are connecting Beruchnius. They're looking for something Ruchni. They're looking for a pair of tzitzis. They're looking for a pair of tfilin. They're looking to say Shema Yisrael. And then you have the Bali Mesidus Nefesh that are going out and they're building, spending tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars to give them moral support. The fellow that came out with the truckload of washing machines and the truckload of spas and spa baths and then the set up an entire tent. Kalakaba, they should give them all the schusim in the world. And then many people that undertook to go out there to be mechazik the soldiers mechazik the families of the people that were captured they should bench them with I can't even start to enumerate all the brachas they should be given when on their own dime as we say 
they went out there, they went from house to house, they went from base to base, some of them went into the deepest part of, of the most dangerous areas, with great, great Messias Nefesh, to go and to help out, just morally, just to give the guy a chocolate milk, just to give the guy and the soldier a hug, just to give the soldier a, a, a Shabbos candle, or anything else that they were given, they were given, they're very all carrying, they have um, chitas on a microfilm with, uh, with the Rebbe's picture. Soldiers are, are f- plotting, each one of them, to hold that because they feel that's their protection. Rahman al-Islam, as much as we're saying how great, how successful, etc., the mission is each and every neshama by the Eden is beyond valuable. It's not even a, not even a, a thing to hear that a soldier was killed. Two, five, seven soldiers were killed. It's beyond. Beyond. We never met these boys or girls, we never saw them, we never heard of them, we never knew who they were before, they never probably never now we never know who they are now, except that we know their name is a fallen soldier, But as Kali Yisrael, it hurts. Ironically. You have all those people that are blindly protesting on the streets, Against Yiddishkeit, against Yidden. And it's not irony any longer. It's so obvious that we are Atabahatanamakalaman. We are a nation chosen above all other nations. Hence the sinner. Hence the hatred. Hence the attacks of every walk of life. Everybody's out there protesting against what the Jews are doing. They're not even doing a retaliation. It's not the retaliation for the thousand plus people, 1,500 people, that they came in and slaughtered like sheep. The babies' heads they smashed in the shot. It's not a matter of retaliation. We're not out there to teach them a lesson. It's time to eradicate the Ruach must be taken out of the world. The Basham tells us that everything we see or hear is a lesson in our life. We need to take heed to how we apply it to our own daily life. So much more so when we see somebody who we never saw before, we don't know about, we never will know, go out to be Mesa Nefesh and die literally physically. For a cause, for the country, or for the nation. The soldiers are out there fighting for our very survival. 
and worse than the 1930s where Yimachshimavazacham in Nazi Germany where they persecuted and killed Jews and they spread a little bit to Poland, a little bit to Russia, a little bit to other countries, a little bit Hungary. It's condensed. Europe. The Americans walked the streets relatively free. Yeah, in the 20s I believe there was a pogrom here in America as well. But the pogroms of yesteryear were contained to Europe. Today, there's no corner in the world that anti-Semitism is not rearing its ugly head. There's no office. There's no business. That there isn't a sinus ace of the Yaakov, the hatred of ace of the Yaakov. Do we fight back? Do we bow our heads again and allow us to be beaten to the pulp? Hakel Yaakov. Our weapon is the kill. Our voice. The learning of Tera. The davening. The saying of Tehillim. Recital of Tehillim. That's our weapon. That's our strength. Therein lie our strength. Oh, everybody's applying now for gun licenses. We're going back to Mayor Kahana's motto every Jew with a 22. I guess the 22 is a type of gun. We're going to fight back. I said this week, my Baruch Shem Avazechet, one of my grandchildren, putting on film, Shalt Tzvi Alevi, Benes Tebracha, all shall be gesund, Shem Avazechet, Bar Mitzvah, Zchasna Gesund, all together, Freilichet. So last week's parsha, we had a word that's emphasized, when we read the Torah, we read it with the Trap, uh, um, can't <laughs> cancellation, cancellation, or something like that, which teaches us how to say the words. We don't just pronounce the word itself, but we also sing it with a certain tune when it's read in the Torah on Shabbos. Yeah, the Sephardic and the Ashkenazic and the, the Litish and everybody has their own little twist on how they had how they read it. The Ashkenazic we're going to keep to because that's who I am. That's who we. That's what I know. There's a trap Azlegerish. Azlegerish means to go and to divorce, to drive yourself away. Which means simply to take this word and to take everything else away from you, peel everything else away, and just use and apply this word. 
In Pashva Yishlach, the famous, famous as the Gerish, and the word Katointi Mikola Hasadim. Katointi, I have become humbled, I've been small, I've been made small. No, you're not getting me to sing it. In today's Pasha, we have the word Anachnu. When he talk about the dreams of Yosef, when he talks about, he says Anachnu, us. When we humble, when one humbles themselves, as in Katointi, and says, Rebbeinu Shalom, I appreciate every little thing that you've done for me. I know a lot of things that I could probably put on the scale that would not look so good, that I don't feel so good about it, I'm not so happy about it, I'm, I feel tortured about it. But I know that it's from you, everything is good. And therefore, Katointi, I'm humbled. And so too I am humbled amongst my brothers and sisters. And I feel that we are all one. And therefore, comes this week's passion tells us, Anachnu, us. We need to stand together. United we stand. And we don't want to use the second half of the sentence, because it's not even shaykh, it's not even connected. It's not something that we can even think of, that we can apply. There's no such thing. We are united. We as Klal Yisrael, we are united in one, in our Torah, in our Tvila, in our Gemilas Chasadim. Where we sit and we study Torah, whether it be studying the most, the deepest and profound parts of Torah, whether it be the simplest Chumash Rashi, or just a, a explanation on Siddur, or a Mishnah. Whether it be saying the recital of Tehillim, Learning of Chumash, the davening of Shachris Mincha Ma'ariv. Whatever it is that we are doing, we are sitting, that we are learning, the minutest amount of tzedakah, the penny, the two, the three, or whatever a person is capable of giving. In the, they used to have the expression, "You have to give until it hurts." It's not an appeal. We're not asking people to. Go run out of dry, dry, dry your accounts, drain your accounts. But to give that a little bit of tzedakah and to see to it that you're doing this because I am one with Klal Yisrael. I'm not Chasashalom, a Nifrid. I'm not somebody on my own. I'm not somebody saying that I am me and I only I can accomplish, only I can do, only I can be. I am one with the entire nation. And this entire nation serves one and one and only, the Eibishter. And it's the Eibishter that I apply to each and everything. And when I say a capital tilim, I see Eibishter. I see Hashem Himself. And when I learn a Pasuk in Chumash, when I do anything that I might do, I daven a single word. I don't daven for myself. I don't daven for the blessings only that are coming through us. I daven because I want to be connected and attached to Hashem. And by us being attached to Hashem, Anachnu, we are one. And therefore, each and every Jew counts more than we've ever imagined. And therefore, each and every Jew that we daven for, that we learn for, that we give tzedakah for, 
one of the biggest mitzvahs of Hanukkah is Hanukkah guilt. Not a mitzvah of Hanukkah. One of the things that are done, one of the customs that are kept. It's Hanukkah guilt. Yeah, we eat oily foods, we eat latkes. They go to calories. Never mind the punchkes, the, the, the donuts. And Baruch Hashem, that evolved. Ooh, la la. It evolved. What used to be a regular plain donut. Yikumitz again, I eat, and he stuffed in jelly into it, and yes, and jelly donuts, and Yerin used to come down our arms, the jelly. Used to get it all over your face. And it was powdered with sugar, so that was all over you too. You ate a donut, you ate a donut. You knew you were living with that donut. It was pre-diet and calorie and nutritionist days. <laughs> so you ate a whole donut. <coughs> you know what? You enjoyed it. You enjoyed it. Today, we look at the donuts. We say, it looks better on you than on me. As dogs and the hate man you eat the donut, you need it, I don't need it. You're not eating that donut because you have a taiva. You're not eating that donut because you're trying to stay fat or skinny. One that's eating that donut is eating it lishma. Lishma means I'm eating this because on Hanukkah we eat, this is a food that we eat on Hanukkah. It's fried in oil. Do you have to go to a store and spend $14, $15 on one donut? No. No. It's a crime. The fact they made donuts today with ice cream inside, with this, with yens, the absurdities. You know what? Someone's got to make a living. But that's not what you have to throw out your life with. If you enjoy it, go for it. I'm not stopping you. I'm not telling you, Pravis Kafia, hold yourself back, restrain yourself. But a donut, one donut on Hanukkah Megmanesen. Latkes Megmanesen. You'll not eat a latke too. Do you have to have a donut every night? No. Do you have to have a latke every night? No. But you, have to, you should eat fried foods. Things that are made in oil because we have to remember over and over the miracle of the oil. Oil represents, constitutes a chemical that does not coexist. It doesn't coexist. Put water in oil, the water falls to the top. Oil, on the other hand, spreads. Spill oil, <laughs> it's everywhere. And it's impossible to clean up. You take towels and paper towels and whatever you want till you can clean up that mess with oil because oil doesn't spread itself. So obviously it's a it's a an entity of its own. And it teaches us a lesson. How we need as a yidden to remember that we are not mixed with anybody else. We are yidden and yidden alone. We rise up above everyone else. Whereas on the other hand, Tata needs to be spread and spread throughout the entire world so that it exists 
so that it's one, and so that it's this is the word of Hashem, and that we live in that word. Therefore, as we come now to Shabbos Hanukkah, maybe that's the time to use your. Maybe that's the time to eat your latke. People eat on Shabbos; they indulge on Shabbos. But don't poo-poo. Don't push away the custom and say, "Ach, kenished, not allowed to anymore." Eat a half a donut. Buy small donuts. I'm sure they make them small also. They make, today they definitely make them small because they know everybody's so weight conscious. So I'm sure they make smaller donuts. But the main thing is Hanaki guilt. The gifts are not a Jewish custom. The reason we give Hanaki guilt is to teach the children to give tzedakah. I try to give out to every child a dollar with a dime. Dollar with a dime. So they give the 10% of their dollar. I, that's coming from me, such a You know that you had a dollar, which is 100 cents. 10% is 10 cents. Excuse me, here's your 10 cents. Put that in Sadaka. Baruch Hashem here every night we light the Meneda they alternate some come every night, some come a few nights but any, anyone, whoever's here by Meneda lighting after we light Meneda everybody gets their dollar and their dime except for the fifth light, the fifth night everybody gets a, usually a two dollar bill am I bragging about spending money? no not at all Am I asking for a sponsor? Also not. Hashem is a sponsor. I'm advertising that this is how it should be done. We have family. Family is one. If somebody comes to you, Manera Lighting, it's not family. You have to make them feel like family. Just like everything the family gets, they should get as well. So there's no difference, my children, my in-law children, my grandchildren, even my wife. Everybody gets equally the same. And the reason for Hanukkah guilt, as we said, is simply to teach the mitzvah of tzedakah. Don't give out, you know, to give out hundred dollars. If you can, ashrechem. If you can, other But at least, at the very least, a coin, whether it be a quarter, dollar, whatever it is, to teach the children we need to have, we get Hanukkah guilt, and it's not because it's a gift, it's because it's a custom that we give it to in order to be able to give tzedakah and to teach the mitzvah tzedakah. 
interesting mitzvah to have to teach, but it's a mitzvah that's very, very difficult most times. Especially for a child who says, it's my dollar. I don't want to give away my dollar. I have a dollar now. I want to go buy a candy. I want to go buy a toy. I want to save up my dollars and at the end of Hanukkah go buy something. <laughs> Each child is different. Some of my children saved up their dollars and went and bought them. Most of them did because on Hey Tavis, <coughs> which is the next upcoming Yom Tov in Lubavitch, Hey Tavis, the day of the Svarim, there's a Svarim sale, and that's when they take their Hanukkah guilt and they go and buy Svarim. And that's what they were taught. So therefore it's money of tzedakah that you're allowed to use for a sefer, for a Hebrew book. The lesson of Hanukkah, Anachnu, because Vayeshev is almost always read on Hanukkah, Anachnu, pronounced and emphasized, we are one, we are united, and we need to stay united. Pasha Yeshev, many people find very, very awkward. Story, story-wise, the storyline, as we'd like to say it, to call it, don't work. It don't work. Yaakov had Rachel and married Rachel and Leah. They also had Bill, Bill and Zilpah having children. Rachel had, Rachel who was his favorite wife, who he wanted to marry to begin with, had one son, Yasef. Ultimately, she had a second son, Binyamin, and she passed away in childbirth. Yaakov was an Ishtam, Yaakov was a Tzadik, Yaakov was a Bechir Shabbos. Out of all our forefathers, he was the holiest, the greatest. He was blessed with Mitasa Shlema with all his children being righteous. But he saw tremendous things for Yosef. He saw Yosef, the next in command, spiritually speaking. He knew the Nisham of Yosef, what it was, what its value was. He made for him a special robe. Chinespasim itself, we could spend all day just explaining spiritually what it means, what it is, what it was, what it stands for, what Pasim stands for, etc. My granddaughter last night told, us, told me about Pasim representing each one of the exiles which Jesus would have to go through. Yasef in turn, knowing his powers, didn't want to, shall we say in America, shove it down their throats, ram it down their throats, but 
he needs to be able to, he needs to let everybody know. There's a message. There's a storyline. There's a way of the world. There's a way the world is going to have to be conducted and have to happen. And being the quote-unquote spoiled brat, obviously, according to the word why the the dictate of the way the Taylor writes it, the brothers were very jealous of Yosef. <laughs> In a story, you can humanize the brothers, you can make them human beings and bring them down to a level of humans that get jealous from this, from that. I'm talking about the Shifta Yudke. Shifta Yudke. Did they have incidents? Did you have a Tamar? All these other things that went down? But each thing had a tremendous spiritual connotation to it. It's in Teda. It's not in a novel. It's in Teda, Teda Lashon Heidah. Teda is a lesson. But yet, we as a human being in our human mind have a very hard time differentiating. Saying, really guys? You hated him so much you wanted to kill him? And your brother had to stop the rest of you from killing him? Who was the mouthpiece? If Ruben said, throw him in a ditch, and Yehuda ultimately came up with a selling him and etc., maybe yes, maybe not, he sold him, or the Ishmaelim sold him, whatever it was, who was the mouthpiece that said, kill him? Shimon Levi? Because they were murderers and they killed out, they wiped out Shem? Who was the mouthpiece amongst the brothers? Don? Naftali? God? Usher? These people we don't even hear about. We don't hear anything in the quote unquote storyline about their virtues, their issues. Who is the mouthpiece saying, let's kill this boy? Here he comes. Here comes the dreamer. We need to kill him. And why death? He was made of the Malchus, according to Halacha. According to their Halacha. He went against Yaakov Avinu, the king, and said that he's going to be king over him. And that Yaakov is going to bow down to him. They felt because of his dreams, the Balachalemus, he needed to be killed, put to death. Severe, a bit severe. But, obviously, those dreams, as we call them, held a lot of water. Held a lot of water. So much so, that they felt the truth behind them. And therefore, again, if we're going to humanize these people, felt threatened. And therefore wanted to kill him. 
How drastic. How drastic. Kill? Really? On what basis would you kill him because he's going to be the king? Is it because he expressed a dream? He's your brother, for God's sake. Kill? They were under the impression that Yosef was talking Lashon Hara about them. That Yosef, a tzaddik, was telling their father things about them. They weren't concerned about being their father being poisoned against them, per se. But they were concerned about what Yosef was talking to their father. And everybody knew. Lashon Hara kills three people. The person that says it, the person that listens, the person that is talked about. Lashon Hara is probably from the worst, the worst sins that there are. That could be. It's brought down that one of the death uh, punishments where a person is brought to death for Dashan Hara is a snake snake bite the matter tells the story of a Tana in a town there was a snake that was literally killing people left and right and the Tana went the took off his sandal, he rolled up his, his shirt, whatever, the long shirt he used to wear, and he put his foot into the nest of the snake, the snake bit him, and died. And that was it, he finished it off. How did he know that the snake would not kill him? Because he knew that he never spoke a word of Lashon Hara. He never spoke a word of Lashon Hara, and therefore, the snake had no shtit over him, and al so much so that the snake died from biting him. You know how hard it is not to talk Lashon Hara? Yeah, any, you have an idea. But if you learned Hilda's Lashon Hara, you would stop talking. Not only you'd stop talking, you wouldn't even sign. You wouldn't even make sign. You wouldn't even make, make faces. person mentions the name and the person makes a face about him, it's Lashon Hara. And then it has its branches of Ak Lashon Hara, etc. It's a pretty sick situation and pretty difficult to keep away from. Donuts are a lot easier to stay away from. No matter how tempting they are, no matter how beautifully they're decorated, no matter how great they smell, it's easier to stay away from a donut than to stay away from Lashon Hara. Just picture that. The willpower that you apply yourself to stay away from that that, that donut that's literally making you water in the mouth. It's literally bugging your eyes out. Especially when you see the other person biting into it and say, Oh, it looks like pure ecstasy. 
but I'm not eating it. I'm holding myself back. I'm controlling myself. A little bit of the cream. Maybe. Just a drop. But I can't eat a donut. And I and one will fight. And one will come at the end of Hanukkah and say, Dida Natsach. I won. I went through Hanukkah with not eating a single donut. Or only tasting one donut, making one brach and and making an alamichi afterwards. And I went to different parties, and every party had hundreds of different donuts. And I held myself back. I controlled myself. There we have self-control. I only ate salad. All the beautiful foods that were laying there, the latkes, this and that, I had salad. Wow. Wow, you have willpower. You have major willpower. Excuse me. But, when it comes to Lashon Hara, eh eh, eh eh, I have no control. I have no control. I, I, Hashem gave me teeth and lips, two protections before that tongue works, before that tongue goes off and talks about Lashon Hara, so that I hold myself back, I can't. Can't. Control is impossible. They felt, therefore, that Yisuf said, spoke Lashon Hara, and he was Chayib Misa for it. Putting him to death was a unanimous decision of officially ten souls. They were Mistarafim and the Ebishter. We told that many times when we spoke about the Sadiq Malchus. And therefore, it was a. It wasn't a hatred. It wasn't something they were doing, Kasashalom, of color or out of jealousy. It doesn't make them low lives or wicked people. They were doing something according to Allah, according to Taylor. And how did they test it to see if he's worthy to live or not? They put him in a pit with snakes, scorpions. And they said, here, we'll get living proof. If he survives, we know he didn't. He's not Chayyim Misa. But if he spoke Lashnara, then this is his ultimate demise. We all know. Yesuf Tzadik was not harmed. I've yet to read even a Medrash. It says the Hashem something happened to him in that pit. According to one opinion, though, the pit was too hard, too deep for them to see. They didn't know there was anything inside. However, everybody knew in the desert, if there's a pit with no water, the snakes and scorpions. Since, and since they couldn't see because it was 20 amas, therefore we can't make a minute at 20 amas high because we, the eye can't see that far. Connection. Between the Asian, one of the connections between the Asian and Hanukkah. Bottom line. Bottom line. 
the brothers Shifta Yudke brought about a psakdin against Yosef, and Akash Baruch said, "No, that's not the psak." The fact that he was sold was it worse than death? Is it better than death? Whatever it might have been. I saw something yesterday that rocked me to the core. I believe from Rabbi Chanan Wasserman, Hashem Yiddish Damav. The blood, they used blood and they dipped the coat into the blood so that the father should see there's blood on the child, on the coat and that blood of the goat is very pachoja to blood of a human being, similar and therefore he would think that Estaka, his son was killed by using that blood he says that was the source of every blood libel, every pogrom that ever happened to the Jewish nation and shouldn't happen ever again the fact that human beings think that you didn't use blood, human blood for matzah, when they're not allowed to eat blood at all, according to the tater, and their meat gets salted, and the chicken gets salted, and everything, all the blood gets taken out of, because we're not allowed to eat blood, <coughs> and they believe that they even used human blood, no more, no less, <coughs> for their matzahs, these blood libels are not bedaraduna, they're not something that it's seichel dictates at all. What gives Kayach to these blood libels? The blood that they use for the coat of Yosef. Shook me to the core. He ultimately died in a blood libel. And the same thing here. By trying to humanize the brothers and saying that they were jealous and they hated him and everything else, they were shift to Yudke. At Kidekach, that it says that they were tzaddikim, that the Yaakovinu had only tzaddikim. He had nothing less than tzaddikim. Each and every one of them in their own way. No compromising. No corner, corner cutting. No less than perfect. But the storyline, if we use Tera as a storyline, which it never is, depicts them so differently. When Yosef tells this dream to his brothers, to his father, the actions are very awkward. Obviously we said before, the brothers developed a tremendous jealousy, Whereas Yaakov was very, very excited. He had, he knew now what to look forward to. It says, The brothers became jealous, and the father kept it to himself. He kept this thing. Rashi says, He waited and looked forward to when this is going to come to fruition, when it's going to happen. Two examples, Shemir Emunim, it says Shemir Emunim, that the, he 
Kshemer mean keeping for and looking forward to the believers. And Leitzishmer al Chatosi. Shomer said, Lover again, not to keep, not to remember, not to look forward. Rashi does not suffice with one example. Therefore, it tells us that each one of them has to do and intertwines one with the other. Rashi wants to tell us here that this Shemira, the fact that he kept, he held on to the words of Yosef, had two connotations. And therefore, he tells this in the two different expressions. Mamtin umitsape. He awaited and he looked forward to. Truth is, Mamtim, I'm waiting patiently. Mitzapa is, I can't, I can't, I can't wait. So actually, they're not the two different natures. But yet, here these two emotions were intertwined. Mitzapa means usually I'm waiting for something very good to happen. And I want it to happen. I can't wait for this to happen already. You use the word tzifia, on the other hand, something that's not so positive. You can't, sorry, you can't use the word tzifia on something that's not positive. Whereas Mamtin, I'm waiting for the, the other shoe to drop, as we say. You could use it sometimes on a little bit of a negative twist. Persons are waiting their punishment. They know that the punishment is lined up, and they're waiting for it just to happen. And these two things come about in Rashi's two explanations. Shemir Munim talks about the Enforcement it talks about tells Am Yisrael the believe in the Geula that is definitely something that is going to come through Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and therefore Metzapala, we are waiting for it. Whereas on the other hand, do not keep to my on my sins. You said that he turns to Hakadosh Baruch Hu and says, "Why I don't want to shame it? I'm not awaiting." to wait to this punishment that's about to happen to me. And therefore these two connotations, explanations, Shmira, Shamar Yaakov, the words of Yosef, Yaakov Avinu knew that the dream of Yosef was totally intent, intent on the goals of Mitzrayim, the ultimate exile in, in Egypt. And Akash Baruch already told Avram Avinu that that they're going to be strangers in a land that's not theirs. And therefore this came about in two different ways of Shamar, Tzpia, and Hamtana. And awaiting. Ultimately redeemed was the going down to Mitzrayim as a negative thing. It's the first of the Golos, first exile. It's the root of all exiles. 
and therefore the lotion of Mamtin. But Yaakovina also knew that the Pneumius, what was the whole idea of going down to Mitzrayim? Is that there should be a, an aliyah of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. And Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim would lead to Matanteira that would come right on, its, on the precipice, right on the hill afterwards. And therefore Yaakov was looking forward to this. Let's get the show going. Let's get the show on. Let's get it rolling so that we ultimately can see both. Let's get the Golas. Let's get the Golas quick. Let's get a short glimpse of Golas. I don't want a big glimpse. I don't want a big chunk of the Golas. Golas has to happen. Okay, there'll be Golas quick. And let them go to Adam Mitzrayim and to Matan Tera. And this look and this approach is to every, of the goal, every, every one of the Goliaths. All our exiles. Especially now in the last Goliaths in which we are now so deep into. The revelations of the Goliaths. Knowing that it's a concept of a, of a punishment on the sins that we have committed. As we say in Davening, because of our sins we've been exiled from our land. Whereas on the other hand, it has a tremendous upper swing. Tafka through this Golas, can we bring about the air of the Geula? We bring about the light which is going to take place in the Gula. And therefore, Dafka through the Golas of Mitzrayim, with the Eden went out, with tremendous riches, we can achieve the Aliyah of Matantera. So much, this, Dafka through this, the last Golas, this last long, long Golas which we're living and going through, we can go and we can achieve once again the Aliyah of Matantera. And we'll achieve the light of Geula. The Geula Amitnes Vashlema Aidei Mashiach Kikena, which will take us out of this Golas and take us once and for all, leave all this pain, all the sorrow, all the hurt behind. And this is exactly what goes on now. This is exactly where we are up to now. The battle which we are battling for our very existence. The Gemara tells us when the Ivana went into the Hechel, to the courtyard of the Beis Hamikdash, they made they made impure all the oils in the Hechel. They touched the pure oils and therefore made them tummy. Why? What were they looking for? They wanted to destroy the. They wanted to hold back from doing and serving. Why the Menera? Why make it impure? Just throw it out, ruin it, burn it. But Timu Kalashmanim. This fact that they were Timu Kalashmanim, they made impure all the oils, halakhically did nothing. Because Bitsibur, you could light not pure oil also. Not the end of the day. So the question becomes in that situation, 
and we could light oil his tummy, <laughs> why does Kodesh Baruch Hu have to make the spirit miracle on the pure oil that they found in one bottle and make it burn for eight days? We know that Eina Kodesh Baruch Hu is a nisim the shav. Kodesh Baruch Hu does not do nisim for nothing, miracles for nothing. By the way, if you keep me score at home, the Gemara that talks about Hanukkah is the Shabbos Chafala from the base. The whole sugi of Hanukkah. My Hanukkah is called. The work of the Yavanim, of the Greeks, is to defile and therefore the miracle needed to be done so great as we said before Shem and oil signifies Chochmah when they left over the oil and they only made it impure (coughs) their hint was their goal was you can keep your Chochmah of Terah the chachmah, the oil, you can keep it. We want it tainted. We want it impure. We want to take out the godliness from it. Learn the tater, but not for God, for the sechel, for the ideas, for the jo- for the pleasure of, of mental stimulation. Intellectual stimulation, I'm sorry. And therefore it says in we Davin we say in Alavanitsim They came out to destroy your Tera, Teresecho. Doesn't say Lashkichama Tera to destroy the Tera itself at its best. El Tera Secha, your Tera. There's no problem learning Tera. They didn't want it to be more than a Dava Seichel, than an intellectual subject. They wanted to take it away from it being our Teda, your Teda, the Teda of Hashem. And the same thing is also the mitzvahs. The Yavanim wanted to take away from your Chukim. They were up, they were against Kedusha, godliness of mitzvahs. To do the mitzvahs as the want of a Baruch himself. As we spoke before, that when we do a mitzvah, this needs to be done with full spirituality, with full holiness. Whether it's eating a latke, whether it's eating a donut, whether it's sitting and learning Tera, whether it's sitting and saying Tehillim. We're doing this because we're doing it with a Baruch with a Baruch within us. The same thing in the mitzvahs. And the Chazal tell us, they don't want to take us away from the chukim of the, of the, of the want. Is a double thing, a double, double punishment they were looking for. First of all, they were against the mitzvahs, which are chukim. Mitzvahs that have no reason for it. They have no explanation to it. If you don't know what the reason are for, what are you doing them for? They're higher than Seich Anushi. And even though the Ivanim were very intellectual people, the Greeks, they understood according to Seichel 
And he knew that something had to be in a person's mind, a person had to understand what they're doing. But they also knew there's things above, above, or beyond the seichel. So anything that's higher and greater to understand. But this approach of Judaism, the mitzvah is the gods want, which is higher than seichel, higher than any any league that they could reach. This they couldn't accept. Intellectuality they understood. They loved in people being intellectual, but not godliness. But they still understood that the mahus, the chumos, how it has to be attached and approached. And therefore they gave their very lives. And they went out to battle that on a natural battle this is not going to work. They had no way of winning. They were ma'atim negedrabim. They were very few against the many. And they went out. Hakadosh Baruch Hu made this miracle that was higher than any natural cause and way that could be done. And they found this one bottle, one flask with the seal of the Kengadol, which was not necessarily he didn't have to even seal them ever, but he was a Kengadol that was very very careful of what he did. And it says, The candle of the of, of God is the Shama of the Jew. And therefore, each and every Jew, his candle of the Baruch Hu, and his mission is to lighten up the world around him. It's not enough just to lighten up his own Nefesh Bahamas, we have to lighten up the world around us, everything that comes in with our, around us. In a way of Hanukkah, we light. Pesach, Beisim, Bechutz, the house, the door of the house, and the outside, so everybody sees it, and thereby we should be made Zecher, taken from Yad Mamish, to light the world, or the world should be lit, and we should be lit, we should be, see the light after this entire darkness of this war, and we should be Zecher to go to Yerushalayim, Irakadish. It would be amiss to not mention Sunday night, the yard site, my dear uncle of Shalom, Shmuel, who was a Sheikh Abedik and was on his way to the holy work of, of going to Shech to be kosher food for Jews and unfortunately way back in Toshanam in Zion Chavches Kislev at the young tender age of 38 to all his children and grandchildren we shall be able to partake in the ultimate simcha of Yehuda, and we should hear all the kailis, all the five kailis, this Shabbos, Afeilch and Shabbos, Afeilch and Chanukah, don't forget Shabbos of Arachim to say the Tehillim.